0: Welcome on to the Backstretch. I'm News Five, Heather Williams, and all right, I'm I, I, I'm starting to think that we might have messed up Atlanta a little bit. Like I said last week, I don't want to just say one bad race and Atlanta is a goner, right? I I, I still love the track, I still love the racing. I thought the racing at the end was exciting, but at the same time, not a crash fest, which I loved. I still love the speeds at Atlanta. However, it's – we've got to find a way to make these guys race for 300 labs without wrecking each other. Riding around single file for a stage and a half or two stages is not exactly what inspires people. And so – I can see why people are angry. Then the day we still got a great race. We still got a great finish to a race. But I do understand the talk about does the finish justify doing that for two hours? Because I'll be honest with you, I didn't watch all two hours of that. When they started running around in single file, I started doing things around the house. I started working on other stuff. So I get it. Um to talk about with this with Chris a little bit too, because I wanted his opinion because he's seen all three configurations of Atlanta the old old Atlanta the old Atlanta and the new Atlanta so obviously he has a different perspective than I do because I only have two points of reference for this um I will say this I do agree with the fact one of the things that he says which is you know seeing five cars on the lead lap or you know Guys just beating, you know, the field and putting the in is not that much fun. So I wish there was a little bit of a balance from, I think, the first race I went to in 2002. There were maybe 16 cars on the lead lap at the time the first caution fell. That ain't it. So a little bit of a balance between what we have now and then would be good. But um I'm starting to hear you a little bit. I'm not. I'm not on your team yet. If you think we've we've ruined Atlanta, but I, but I'm start. I'm starting to listen. You've got my ear. So uh, I guess we'll see what happens in July, and then decide. I'll decide whether or not I'm. I'm team, old Atlanta, old old Atlanta, or new Atlanta. Um, our guest this week is Harrison Burton. We had Harrison on the show maybe about a month ago. I love talking to Harrison. Um, he's so honest, and he's so. Um, Enjoyable to talk to. He's thoughtful in his answers. He's a young kid. He's struggling, and he'll admit it. But you know, making that jump from from the Xfinity series to the Cup Cup season, it's tough. I mean, last year Noah Gragson and Ty Gibbs won every race there was. It seemed like between the two of them, and battled to the end for the championship. And neither one of them has done much of anything. I, I think Ty gotten to the top 10 this week at Atlanta but you know and both of them have had previous experience in the cup series before they made the jump uh Noah Rand has run some uh some Daytona 500s for Beard Motorsports and Talladega races and he ran at the end of the year when Alex Bowman was hurt and of course Ty ran um you know almost a half a season last year for Kurt Busch when he was hurt and and yet they're struggling too. This jump is hard. And so it was really interesting to spend some time talking to him about making this jump and, and, and where he thinks his team is and what they should be doing. So that'll be fun. We're, we're headed to CODA this week. I love CODA. Um, it's definitely on the bucket list for me of places I want to go see a race. Um, it's probably not my favorite road course, but it's but just as an event, I think it's great because I love the fact that, like, F1 drivers are coming to try NASCAR at Coda because they've run Coda, They feel like it's a comfortable place. So I love the crossover. I love what that does for the sport. So I'm excited to see how the racing goes this week. We're going to talk about all of these things with Chris and some of those things with Harrison, too. Busy, busy show. So let's get fired up. Let's start with Atlanta. Let's start with... um... We've had now three races as a super speedway. A lot of people were complaining about this race as being boring, as being, you know, that they ruined Atlanta. Of course, they said that in the previous configuration of Atlanta, too. So where do you fall? What do you think of Atlanta now as a super speedway?
1: Well, I, I think of it, Heather, as, you know, again, it's, it's super speedway racing on a mile-and-a-half venue that is very narrow and it's tight course, and I think, I think that is going to cause uh, during especially a cup race that is so long that there's going to be a big segment of that race where all the drivers are going to say, okay, we need to chill here. And you saw a pretty long segment of the race where they just rode around on the top groove single file for several laps and nobody kind of doing anything. And then when it came down to the last 30, 40 laps of the race, and it's like, okay, go time. If I don't get to the front soon, I'm not going to have a chance of having a good finish. And then all of a sudden it got like really exciting, really dicey. All of them taking chances, three wide, four ride, you know, pushing the issue. And then it got to be really exciting racing, and there got to be some carnage involved in it. So... Uh, I'm old enough to go back to the old, old, old Atlanta that before the first ever configuration and the thing was pretty worn out and people running up against the wall and down on the bottom and it it was really exciting racing then. Now there wasn't the, the competition, the closeness of the competition from first place cars to say 20th place cars was not near what it is today. So, in my mind, I'm thinking about, man, I'd like to see today's cars on that configuration. We'd really see a race. But, you know, there is elements, there was elements of excitement in the Atlanta race. I mean, it was a heck of a finish in the last 30, 40 laps when everybody was, you know, desperation trying to get, trying to put themselves in a position just to race for the win, or race for a top five, or even a top ten. You saw a lot of desperation moves so as far as the excitement level i think it was there for that uh this place is going to wear out a little bit over time and running wide open all the way on the track it's probably going to go away and then it's going to probably eventually it may get something like a darlington like a high-speed darlington because it is very narrow the way they the way they increase the banking they move the the bottom of the actual racetrack out to increase that angle see and and uh, that makes uh, that that makes for less racing room, so it, it'll. I think, and eventually, it'll it'll become a different place, and it and it may may lend to some really good, exciting racing. So we'll, we'll have to see about that.
0: Brad finished finishes second. It seems like uh, Ross Fenway Keselowski Racing may have finally turned a corner. I mean, they looked like they were heading in that direction at the end of the season last year, yep. and then this year, other than the Coliseum, they seem to still be. Um, upwards director do you, do you think they're starting to figure things
1: out there. I, I think very much. So uh, I know Brad's crew chief Matt McCall He is a engineer, but he has a lot of racing background. He was a very very accomplished late model racer uh, Before he actually became a crew chief and uh, he's a smart guy. They got a lot of good people there uh, They have two very capable drivers Experience, you know in in Boucher and, and, and Brad himself. So, you know the the, the tools are all there and uh, I was glad to see for Matt. Matt's a good friend of mine. I was glad to see a, a really good day for that. And, and he made a comment at the end of the day, Brad did, about, like, you know, with two experienced drivers, it, it shows that we can finish these races. We can race hard and have a great finish. And we didn't tear up half the field doing it. So uh, that was a good point on his part. And, uh, you know, they were this close. and they got some more races coming up that he's going to be very good at. And I think uh, both those cars will be competitive the rest of the year. So as far as uh, for the fans, everybody watching, that's more people that are running for the win. It's going to be more exciting. It's a good thing.
0: Uh, we don't talk about the Xfinity Series much, but I feel like I need to talk about Josh yeah. Um <laughs> What did you think of what he did? And then what did you think of NASCAR's response suspending him?
1: Um the what he did i was kind of like watching it and saying oh my word he's surely he's not really going to do that and then he did and i was trying to think back you know to what i've seen that compared to it and you know there are certain things that people did kind of protesting what they felt about nascar and as a spur of the moment thing and and to me it you know it's not a very good decision in my in my opinion and I think he kind of maybe left out maybe the ramifications for his team. You know, uh, don't be surprised if their their life becomes a little bit harder at the racetrack for a while. Um, I, I was really kind of surprised, to be honest with you. I was kind of surprised the penalty wasn't any more severe than what it was. But I think uh, I think in my mind, I think NASCAR probably wants like, okay, let's just let's just try to take the light off this the guy made uh, i think a, a, a poor judgment we're all guilty of that i know i know for sure i am so i think it's best maybe sometimes we we just say you know what let's let's go on let's let's give a little bit of a penalty here discipline whatever and just move on and i really feel like that's what will happen you know uh he wasn't happy with what uh, what the decision was, and uh, I can certainly relate to that I've been there and probably probably if I was in his shoes I might have done a dumber thing than what he did so I'm not going to judge the guy um, we'll see how it goes from here but I think I think it'll go on and eventually it'll be like okay everything's fine I love being here NASCAR wants the car there they want everybody to come and race and try to race under the same rules and I'd be honest with you those rules sometimes are really hard to understand so
0: so from that perspective because i mean for me i kind of thought well he didn't hurt anyone and he didn't you know you know he didn't intentionally wreck somebody or potentially hurt something like a lot of people did so were you surprised then that most of the drivers seemed to be in his corner i mean denny Uh, hamlin uh, uh, offered to pay his fine which he didn't end up getting a fine but i mean most of the drivers a lot of a lot of people from that side of it were on his side yeah. Do you think that maybe that's just because they wish they could have done that, like they were living vicariously through him? Well,
1: or? yeah, I think maybe that's part of it. But, I mean, something, too, I've noticed here a little bit um, in this uh, new wave, if you will, I think less and less of actual NASCAR drivers are, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but they're not scared of NASCAR like kind of used to be. They're, they're, they, they're going to be open opinion. They're going to say what they think. Uh, they realize that without them that there, you know, there there aren't going to be any races and that we're all in this together. And I don't think that the, the people who run NASCAR now are, I don't think they're really, they don't really care that much about that. They're like, okay, whatever, you're entitled to your opinion because all other sports is kind of like that too. You know, the, the players, the, the players, the participants are kind of, speaking their mind, but, uh, I think, yeah, I think a lot of people thought it was kind of cool what he did. And it was like, okay, like you said, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't put anybody in peril, uh, didn't put anybody in danger, didn't endanger himself, really nothing. He was just showing a little bit of, this is a way to protest, you know? And, uh, you know, a lot of fans got a little bit of jolly out of it and everything. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think, okay, this this happened, it's all right. Let's do a little bit of discipline and let's move on and go on and we'll have a good 10 years from now we'll all laugh like crazy about it and tell stories about it and it'll be a cool deal. And, the, and people will say, I was there, you know, so it's all right.
0: I think people aren't scared because they don't have to go to the holler and see Mike Helton standing in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mike's a teddy bear, but he's a very intimidating He
1: is really, figure. He is really intimidating. <laughs> I had a couple episodes with that. I can tell you about it. Andy Petrie at Martinsville when he wrecked Bill Lester in a truck race. Helton was hot. And, phew, <laughs> I, was, I was involved in it because I was the crew chief. And he's like, where's your so-and-so driver? And I said, well, he's... He's coming, he's on his way Well, Andy was down there talking to people and signing autographs. I'm like, get up here. He's fixing to kill us. <laughs> Boy, they were not happy. And Hilton uh, let me know that. And I said, okay, I, I, I'll get him. Yes, sir. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes sir. Yes, sir. I, right. <laughs>
1: I'm right after him. So, anyway. But, uh. um, <laughs>
0: looking forward this week to CODA. I know that you guys are yes, running CODA yes, in ma'am. the truck. I know a lot of drivers are excited about CODA. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges, but also just what a cool weekend it's going to be with uh, with F1 drivers coming mm-hmm. in and racing Coda and just a lot of different uh, faces and a lot of a lot of eyes on the sport that wouldn't normally be on the sport.
1: I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, there is there's going to be people involved, people involved in the competitive side of it. F1 drivers. There's going to be people from different forms of racing that are going to be have a presence there and have a part in the whole weekend. And I just, you know, that just shows that hey, this is a this is a big event. You know, this is just not another day on the calendar. Um, this place was built as a Formula One track. And now he here here we are you know the NASCAR Rednecks and us with the truck series on Saturday and uh, you know I just think it's it's kind of really neat that they, you know there'll be there will be a lot of attention to this and it, you know we have a our own food country team Henderson Racing in a, in a truck race on Saturday with with Parker Kligerman as a driver uh, he's always there anyway, and he's going to have a chance to win two races in one day, which he I know is like on his agenda. That is like his goal in life this weekend, and um, I think it's going to be pretty neat for us. And uh, you know, there's a lot of respect for the F1 world and the open wheel world. Uh, those guys do something that is really neat and really difficult. So. I think it's going to be a cool deal, and I think it's good for the sport. I think it's good for the worldwide attention of the sport, which makes all of us who are part of it you know, feel a little more special. So good deal. I think there's going to be good weather, looks like, for most of it, most of the weekend. So um, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Obviously, last week we talked about, about the penalties to, to Hendrick and, uh, and uh, what they were alleged to have done to the cars, but yeah. – Jeff Gordon came out and spoke on TV this week and maybe changed your mind a
1: little bit I about did. it? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I watched, was watching the pre-race for the Atlanta race, and they interviewed Jeff. And, of course, he's now vice president of Hendrick Motorsports and you know is, is one of the main players there and has a vested interest. And between that and I also saw a little film clip of Chad Knauss' response uh, to it, it kind of it kind of shed different light on it uh, for me personally, and I think it has for other people. That like, wait a minute, well, I, I didn't get the full story here, and um, uh, I, I think you know possibly I think they've got a good case. Uh, I'm thinking now that there's a good chance that this this penalty might be a little stiff uh, for what actually transpired. And I can relate to the explanation that Chad and Jeff gave uh, about how it came about that they actually had parts that were the correct parts, but they actually didn't fit into the hole that they were supposed to go in. So they had to do a little bit of some, somehow modification just for fit purpose. And it's like, they don't have a hundred of these on the shelf. You know, none of this stuff is real plentiful. And they, maybe they did have to do something a little bit uh, out of the gray area to say, okay, we still have to get our cars done. We have to go to the race and we have to have these pieces on the cars. We've got to do what we got to do to get them to fit. And maybe in their mind, there really wasn't a performance uh, advantage. And if that's the case, I'll be honest with you, Heather, I get it. I, I can see where their, their case is like, wait a minute, we, we've got to go race. And these are the parts that NASCAR has dictated to go on these cars. And they come from a specific vendor that is that is that, that is done by NASCAR. And uh, if they don't fit on the car, we got to do something to get them on the car and make them fit right. So I don't know. I don't think this – I don't – think i don't think this story's over so we'll see
0: thanks for joining us harrison appreciate you uh giving us the time today
2: yeah absolutely
0: so um let's talk let's start let's jump right in with coda um how do you how do you feel about road courses what, what's your kind of your mindset going into in dakota
2: yeah you know road courses are really fun uh I think it gives all the drivers kind of a chance to do something different. Um, We go kind of all these weekends and uh, go to a lot of different ovals. And, um, you know, I think the road courses kind of break that up, make it, you know, exciting for the fans, exciting for us. It's something different to prepare for. Um, Earlier last year, I would have said it's my probably my weakest quality is road course racing. But I've got my best Cup Series finish on a road course. So uh, I guess that's wrong now so, so i've been putting a lot of work into been putting a lot of work into getting that as good as it can be and, and being as good as i can as a road course racer and it's cool that that's starting to show some results
0: um we have a couple of f1 champs running this week um uh, as a motorsports fan how cool is it to see guys cross over and and find out just how difficult nascar is but also uh you know get there and you get to get in there and mix it up with the best from that discipline.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Um, You know, I like seeing the F1 people that have never like watched NASCAR before kind of uh, tune in and watch. I think it's cool for both sports to kind of have, you know, Kimmy or Jensen, you know, guys that were stars or are stars in the F1 world kind of join our world and then see that it's it's, uh, pretty challenging as well. I think that's always fun. Like the NASCAR guys, we all kind of take some pride in trying to make it hard on those guys and and not you know race them unfairly but just you know prove that our side of the sport is is uh just as challenging if not more challenging. So um you know I feel like those guys that come and race have been really, really cool to meet. Uh respect what they've done on the F one side of things a great deal. I mean it's pretty unreal to have two F one champions in our race is is pretty neat.
0: For you, how how do you think the season's gone so far? I know there's you know, there's, there's always talk about a sophomore slump, but I don't feel like you're you're going through that. I feel like you, you and your team have speed. How would you evaluate the way you, maybe not always the results you want, but how would you evaluate how you run?
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely not the results you want no matter what. And so at the end of the day, that's kind of all that matters, unfortunately, you know, is is the results. And so we've had some things that didn't go our way, some mistakes that I've made, some mistakes that the team has made, and, and we just haven't had a clean race really yet. Um, think back to Fontana was a pretty decent race for us. And, and that was kind of, I felt like a good stepping point of like, okay, yep. That was a decent race, you know, nothing amazing, but we did our job and, and didn't put ourselves into trouble and then, um, you know, got a decent finish. And then the next few weeks after that, we're not that at all. So I uh, need to get back into that and just get some decent finishes going and, and uh, get some momentum going. I, I feel like, you know, we're our team is capable of some really cool things. We just got to go and execute on them.
0: For my final thought, I want to talk about Josh Williams. And you heard Chris and I talk about that, mostly Chris. I just, I just questioned him on a few things. But I wanted to share my opinion on the Josh Williams incident. I get why NASCAR punished him, right? I get why something had to happen. He was defiant. He, he you know, made a protest, as Chris called it, made a statement by parking on the start finish line. I, I get why they had to do something. I don't necessarily understand why they need to suspend him a race. I think the punishment was a little excessive. I don't think he hurt anyone. He didn't wreck anyone. Whether or not he should have been asked to park in the first place was a little questionable because, um, you know, tape was falling off his car and he was extending the caution. You know, maybe tell him to park it until you can get that tape to, to, you know, stick or get the repairs fixed, and if it comes off again, then we're going to park you, but that's neither here nor there. I, I think the punishment, personally, I think it was a bit much because he didn't hurt anyone but himself. Um, I probably would have thought money would have been more of a thing, but I think maybe they're punishing him for upstaging them and, you know, making a big um spectacle of himself. You know, it did put eyes on the sport, People are talking about Josh Williams. People that never talk about Josh Williams, ESPN and, and and Sports Talk Radio, they're talking about NASCAR where they wouldn't normally be. And I never think that that's a bad thing unless we're talking about someone getting hurt. And then, you know, when the when people are talking about Ryan Newman after they told it that was bad because that pulled into question the safety of the sport. But in this instance, nobody was hurt. There was, it was just fun. You know, it was just clean Fun and in making, he was making light of something, or or being frustrated with something that really at the end of the day was not a big deal. So I don't necessarily agree with NASCAR on that, but whatever he's fine with it. You know, he's probably going to get more exposure and more um, sponsors and things out of that. So at the end of the day, it's probably a win-win-win for everyone. But I, I think it was a negative reaction. That's me. I don't have to agree with everything NASCAR says. It's their sandbox. You want to play with it? You play in it? You play by their rules? He is. He's going to get to play next week. So on we go, and on we go with this edition of the Backstretch. We'll see you next week.